For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of worth. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. Who or what are you celebrating tonight? It's National Carousel Day. It's National Wine and Cheese Day. It's National Culinary Day. And for me, it's National Donna Pescal Day. I am so excited that she's here. It's taken us so long to make this interview happen. We've been trying to get this interview on board for quite some time, but she's here tonight and I'm so thrilled. Donna, welcome to the show, first of all. And as I begin every show, I ask, who or what are you celebrating today? Oh, I'm celebrating that I figured out how to do all of our technical stuff so I could do this here with you. We're in conversation. So I'm happy about today being Richard Skipper Day. <laughs> well, I, well, tonight is all about you. Uh, so we're going to start there. Um, I, I am, okay. first of all, I am so thrilled that you're here. And I begin every show uh, with a surprise. Well, first of all, the word of the day is comfort. And I want to talk about comfort uh, because, and I picked this day because it has been so hot everywhere. And I want to ask in both your life and your career, uh, what does comfort mean to you? And has there ever been a moment in your career where you felt, this is it, I'm comfortable? Uh, you know, for me, comfort is being around people who are and kind of have the same goal in terms of either the work or friendship or connection with one another. So that makes me more comfortable. Um, doing all of sitting inside in a hundred degree weather is not, but <laughs> I, I, I think comfort for me is really who I'm surrounded with. What a great answer. Uh, now, I, I start the shows also with a surprise question. It's such a surprise that I haven't even looked at it yet. So uh, I, God only knows where this is going to lead us. But so, the question uh, is, I, would you I, rather I experience the beginning of planet Earth or the end of planet Earth? What an amazing question. It is. Um, wow. Uh, I think the beginning, because the end would be far too sad. Um, and I, I think I think it would be kind of interesting to see, and I'm going to take the optimistic view, see all of the creation have all of the beauty start to take shape. I agree. It may be a lesson to all of us that we need to really take that into account, especially these days with everything, climate change and everything happening. So that's great. And also it says, uh, make uh, sure that someone gets the credit that they deserve. So I'm going to ask you, 
who are the mentors, the people along the way that you feel tonight that you definitely want to give credit to, who deserve the credit that they deserve for the steps along the way in the life and career of Donna Pascal? Oh, wow. That's a long list. Uh, I've been incredibly lucky and blessed with, well, my family. They were always very supportive. I think they realized early that um, I was going to do what I wanted to do, uh, and this was it. So they were really supportive about it, and I think um, kind of enjoyed all of the 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 goings on that I would uh, go uh, forms at school and you know first jobs and. Uh, even some of the disappointments, I, I think they were, you know, really great at, at uh, being supportive all throughout. Um, lucky because I started working so um, after I graduated from art. So I had, you know, a lot of highs and um, I think I, I didn't quite know how to handle a lot of them. So that was good. I think I had great teachers um, some of the teachers I had at the academy uh, were extraordinary, and um, they meant Lee Strasberg. I worked with him after I graduated. The again, you know, very, very much always in my head. Um, friends that, again, you know, just very supportive, very understanding. And I think we all meet people throughout our lives that, you know, you develop kind of a shorthand with them in terms of you don't need to explain every single aspect of everything you're feeling. They get it. And uh, I've been very blessed with people that I feel that way about and felt that way about me. You know, again, I, I have a long list. Um, family, friends, teachers, um Hagen does. I put them in there. Wonderful. I, I know that uh, you are a Brooklyn girl. What is it about that borough? I live here in New York. Uh, I am a transport. I grew up in South Carolina, but there's something about Brooklyn uh, and uh, that has produced so much incredible talent. Uh, so what is it about that borough that you know, it's just like this incredible melting pot of talent. You know, I think self, uh, you know, no BS. I, I don't, you know, you kind of uh, can pick out the reality and pick out the phoniness real quickly. And, uh, I think there's a an energy to certainly the city and I think certainly to Brooklyn that you kind of want to get things done not to do. And um, you don't waste a whole lot of time. Once you know what that is, I think you don't waste a whole lot of time going after. And I think in a strange way, it's kind of expected of you. There, there's not a whole lot of well, you know, take your time and let's just 
really go slow. I don't think the word slow is really in the vocabulary mm-hmm. of uh, Brooklynites or, or New Yorkers. Um, and I think Brooklyn is um, a great training ground for that. Well, I asked a lot of strong people, a lot of uh, strong opinions and attitudes. Absolutely. I asked for a photograph uh, of you at five years of age. Uh, And here it is. There you are. I love this photograph. (laughs) And I asked Uh, for a a photograph of you at at this age because to me, the five-year-old self, and I've said this in previous shows, my viewers know this, uh, is the purest self. It's before life begins to tell you who you should be or who you shouldn't be. But when I look at this photograph, you seem to have a strong sense already of who you are. <laughs> Look at the pose, the way that you're uh, standing. So do you have any recollections of that particular photograph and the circumstances surrounding that photograph? You know, it's really funny. Um, that bag I'm holding, that little, it almost looks like a piece of luggage, Um I remember that. I remember putting everything I could possibly there that I either might want to play with or I might think I need. Um, and I would drag that bag around, you know, and I, I just uh, <laughs> I just remember feeling confident with it. And I, I think um, and my mom used to sort of kid around about that bag. You know, I think it was just kind of who, who I was in a sense. I was very organized, but I so prepared just to think. <laughs> now, you grew up, of course, with such a close proximity to New York City. When did the so-called bug bite you that you wanted to pursue a career? And did you grow up in a household uh, where you were surrounded by the arts? Did your family go to the theater? Did you go to movies? What was that circumstance like for your family? Well, I, my grandfather, um, who liked dad to me, my, my parents were divorced. I would, I think I was about six uh, or seven. And, and uh, we moved into, we, we lived in Florida for a short time uh, and we moved back to Brooklyn and lived with my grandparents, my sister and my mom and I. And my grandfather um, worked as a projectionist at the RKO Albee Theater in downtown Brooklyn. But he, uh, when it was a house, and it was one of those beautiful grand theaters with the marble staircases and the chandeliers, I mean, it was just gorgeous. And um, he was very, very funny. And he would teach me <laughs> the, uh, from Bob. I do who's on for him and uh, a little bit of Burns and Allen. And, um, but he just had this incredible uh, love of performers and, and being entertained and uh, also go to a theater with him and sit in the booth when I was a kid and, and watch movies through that little, you know, window. And um, I think it was a no brainer. I can't 
think of anything else I wanted to do. And I'm sure it all sort of stemmed from that. Now, I know that you went to AMDA. Was AMDA always the choice that you wanted to go there or uh, were there other choices? Uh, how did that become the school of choice? Um, well, it was the uh, UDA. <laughs> AMDA, I think, is the musical. This was American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Um, and I, I think I... Think I after high school or during high school, um, I really wanted to go to a school that focused on that and didn't just, you know, have academics with that thrown into it. I really wanted to um, sort of submerge myself into that. Um, and, you know, I think when you're 18 years old, you're fearless or you're more fearless. And, you know, I thought, oh, well, you know, I'm going to go there and I'm going to audition for it and uh, hopefully I can afford it. And if I get it, maybe they'll pay for it. <laughs> so, and I was lucky because, you know, uh, I auditioned for it and, and um, they did pick up of it on a scholarship. So I was very lucky. So, and at what point did you start auditioning and going out for specific roles? Um, I worked a little bit, I'd say, throughout. I, I was part of a, a musical comedy team that was just god-awful. And I don't know why we'd ever get booked anywhere, but occasionally we did. Um, so there was that. And and uh, most of the time, you know, they don't like you to, to work outside of... Um, when you at that time they didn't like you to work while you were training, um, but I would you know do little things I could kind of keep under the radar. Again, nothing great. <laughs> I can't say, um, but you know, an extraordinary time because you know you were uh, working with some of the, the best teachers and you know learning everything from contemporary to classical to mime to uh, movement. I mean, all dance, obviously. Uh, so, you know, you were really diving in headfirst all of what you needed to learn, which was great. And you, uh, I mean, you started, put, uh, you had an agent early on in your career. How did, how did that come about that you got an agent so early on? the uh, sphere of the academy was kind of like a repertory company and they would invite um, lots of agents in and, you know, producers and whoever, um, you know, they could get to come to, to the senior year because the senior year really was more of a rep company, I think. And, and uh, so I think that's how um, I, I think I'm my first agent that way. And then, one of the, uh, I don't know whether she was a dean of students or was working with this, she had been working at the school for many, many years and then decided to be an agent again. So uh, she had asked if I would 
like to uh, have her represent. And she had gone uh, into um, an agency that was operated by Lily Veit, who was Conrad Veit's um, wife. And she was the older woman who was very sort of Sunset Boulevard and, <laughs> you know, um, very into the, 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 um, the world. Uh, which was kind of fabulous. And as she started to uh, send you out for specific roles, did you have a game plan of what you wanted to pursue or did you completely give it over to her in terms of how she was going to mold you in your career? Um. I think I, I don't think I knew enough or, or felt that I had the, um, the qualifications pretty much left it up to her. her um, I think I was still in my senior year and I, uh, I had gotten my first job, uh, I probably through her, I'm, I'm thinking. And, uh, touring with uh, Richard Kiley and Barbara Belgettis and Sam Bottoms and Scott McKay and Jan Ferrand, this unbelievable, uh, unbelievable cast. Um, and I, I think I had only been out of school maybe a month before all that started. And um, I'm pretty sure she put that together uh, for me when that happened. And um no, I, I, well, for, I, I, I don't think I had a real game plan other than trusting people that did, you know, and, and she had, it seemed like a very definite way of going about it. And if I can skip a little bit up to um, Saturday Night Fever, she she was my no, agent uh, when that was going on. Was that, that was about that, a year and a half. <laughs> I'm losing you. I'm sorry. I lost your... I'm the, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no. No, I, I lost what you were saying. I'm sorry. No, I was making a joke about Saturday Night Fever. Was that oh, a... Richard, a little, we're on. No, I was yeah, some of us have heard about... <laughs> experimental film <laughs> I'm sorry we're, we're, I, I'm losing your audio no I, they, they, there, there's a bad connection here I mean where it's it, it is breaking up a little bit so uh, I apologize to everyone but I was just making a joke that it was a little film that's a few people no may no have heard no I, I just maybe yeah a couple yeah um, <laughs> yeah but you know it, the great thing about when I um, when I went in for that, I had no clue whatsoever. I thought it was uh, um, this little part uh, in a I knew nothing about what that was like to audition either. And uh, Gloria Dolan was her name, and she said, um, "Oh, this is V. You know they." They just want to see you because they know you're from Brooklyn and it's about Brooklyn and uh, go and meet with a casting director. Um, 
you know, it's probably not a big thing, but it'll be fun for you. So I, okay, I went in there and uh, Shirley Rich was the casting director who was so fabulous and brilliant. And uh, I had worked on losing my regional accent. I mean, they told me if I sounded like I came from never work or only work. They had speech accent. They just drummed it into our heads that you need to lose it. So when I went to uh, audition for Saturday Night, not, it was just rich at this time. She said to me, don't Brooklyn. And I said, yeah, don't sound like it. You need to go home and spend time with your family and then come back and sound like you come from Brooklyn which I did, uh, and it took about 10 seconds with my mother saying, you want coffee? You want to sit here and have coffee, or you want to talk? Tell me what. And so I, <laughs> I was able um, to go back and accent. But even had only sides, uh, and most of the audition was improvised, and they just were really really an authentic kind of groove and um, I'm going off on it, but John did originally. So I had about three auditions with him and then um, they changed directors and it went away. I had no idea about any of this. I just assumed I wasn't going to do it. Uh, And then John Batum came on board and they called me back and I had a, three auditions with him and got the role, but not until I got the role did I realize it was this big part. And um, this brings us back to Gloria, who I said, why didn't you tell me this? And she said, because if I had, you would have been too nervous and you wouldn't. So she was really brilliant. Um, And I was terrified that I had just gotten this huge role, Um, but it worked out. One, with, well, I want to ask what your experience was the first time that you saw a completed film when you heard that soundtrack and because it's such a pivotal part of the 70s and that period in our lives. When you saw that finished product mm-hmm. for the first time, I, I can't even imagine. It must have been like an out-of-body experience for you. It, it, Beautifully stated. That's exactly what it was. Um, I a feeling this was something unique, special, and I think everyone knew that if it all came together right, it would be you know pretty terrific. But nobody had a clue how huge it would become, and. I think even, you know, John Travolta, who was so extraordinary in this movie and deserved every single accolade and every single wonderful thing that was said about him. I think even he didn't expect it to become as enormous. Paramount really, I think, never looked at this film as being important until it started, I think, to test, you know, people mm-hmm. started to see it in, in 
these screenings or whatever. And uh, then they realized it was something a lot more than they anticipated. And when did you feel the shift in your career began to take place when you felt that, oh, I am on this trajectory because everything began to happen for you at that moment? Oh, you know, it went from leaving pictures and resumes to getting phone calls from people I thought were, you know, these these really major people. I I thought it was a joke. You know, I thought, don't call me and tell me you're Dino De Laurentiis. And just (laughs) everything changed. And um, that's the name of your book right there. (laughs) You know, It was just like leaving reality. That uh, scene in the Wizard of the Woods. It was just this landslide. I mean, you, you really can't describe going from hoping you get another job, uh, you know, so you can make rent. This and did you which make, was and did you make the decision suddenly? Go ahead. I'm sorry. I lost you. No, I was going to ask. Said, did, did you make the decision? Did you make the decision to go out west, or was that decision made for you? Yes, to both. Uh, at the time. My agent, Gloria, and, and Lily Vite again, you know, she was such a character. Uh, they were getting a lot of calls um, from people to, uh, you know, that wanted me and have meetings with me. And, you know, a lot of um, very important film people. And uh, they said, maybe go out to California for a little while. And um, they, legendary uh, agent Paul Koner was uh, the reciprocal fight. And so, you know, Lily says, we will send you to Paul. He will take such good care of you. And you will work and you will meet people. It's wonderful. And I'm thinking, I have nothing to wear. I have, you know, so, but, you know, <laughs> you know, you gather and you... Um, you make it happen. So when you made the move out, I mean, you arrived oh, in, but you arrived at a time in, in television history also when there were all these great television shows. I mean, someone just made a comment on the side that I want to address. I mean, you were making appearances on Fantasy Island and appearances on The Love Boat and all of these other experiences. And you were given a chance uh, to make these appearances on all these other shows as well. What was that experience like for you as, as an actress at that time, being given all of these great opportunities so early in your career? Well, it was, again, you know, I, I think it's, it's very difficult to, to make it logical for yourself when your life gone from this 
with enormous uh, leave come to a city you're out talk to people that uh, you've only heard of um, it, it was overwhelming always overwhelming and it was exciting to do all the things you were talking about uh, at one point I was um, under contract for a film this was shortly after I came out here and the film went into a rewrite and then it got delayed and all of this. And um, I was kind of waiting for this film to begin. And um, these have come and they were short term to do them, those TV projects. And, but uh, that's when Gary Marshall uh, came into my life and, and uh, he had called and said, I'd like to, meet with Donna about a TV series. And, you know, at that time they said, well, you, you're under contract. You really can't talk about a TV series um, because this film at some point will be made and you're, you know, you're, you're signing all of that. And, and I kind of went crazy. I said, I, I, I'm not going to say no to Gary Marshall. This is Gary Marshall, the funniest man in TV, the brilliant producer, writer, director. I mean, I, so um, okay, well, take and and then we'll see. and uh, a, a show to you is a series in itself. You know, he was the funniest man in the world, and um, he he. Oh, you know, your character Angie. She, neighborhood you're a girl from the neighborhood you know you know she doesn't understand she's marrying a rich man she doesn't know how tells her have a party give them presents when they leave a little party favor and she forgets and so she hands everybody five dollars and she says hey get yourself something because i forgot to get you something and he's go. i mean it was so hilarious um and I, I left that meeting and I said, what you have to do, thing. I need to do this and I need to work with this man, um, which happily they were able to do. Uh, and that was just, you know, one of the greatest here to work with Gary and that show. Um, and that opened up, you know, all the doors with all these other fun shows to do. Uh, and, you know, TV kind of became my plate more so than uh, film point. And, you know, grateful is all get out for it. You know, I'm, I'm having a ball. <laughs> when the series came along, were Robert Hayes and Doris Roberts already in place for the show or did everything come together because of your casting? How did everything come together for that? We actually did a pilot of Angie that had a different cast and it was a little bit of a different slam show um, where it was more about his family sort of at, her and more about that part of the world. Uh, the they were um, it was Phil the Rittenhouse Square, 
wealthy folks versus South Philly. And um, after the and the, the people that were in the pilot were, were wonderful, but the only two that made it to the actual series was was uh, Sharon Spellman, who played my sister-in-law, and myself. Everybody else was cast because they pulled the show. And I didn't have a family that was shown in the pilot. And that's when, you know, they brought in Doris and Deborah Lee and and uh, um, and they brought Bob Hayes in to, to play Brad. Uh, and it was sort of retooled. And I was, you know, beautifully cast. You mentioned earlier uh, that you had to work uh, with Gary Marshall. And I can understand why. I mean, what a brilliant man uh, he was and what a legacy that he left for all of us. Uh, what are some of the life lessons that you learned from him uh, that helped you both as an artist and as a human? Hmm. You know, it's interesting. Gary was always before he was an icon. And, and I don't mean that in terms of the amount of time it took. I mean, he was a real person who cared people, cared about what was going on, uh, not just in his shows, but in the lives of the people that were working for him. And he was kind and he, he never, um, he never didn't have time for whatever it was that needed to be attended to, whether that was the show or a situation that a person was having, or um, he was just so minchy, you know? I mean, every single person knows. And, and at that time, he had uh, Happy Days, um, Laverne and Shirley, uh, Mork and Mindy, Angie. I mean, it was just Paramount was like sitcom college. You know, it was just mm -hmm. crazy. All Taxi, I think, was it wasn't his show, but it, it was uh, a lot at the same time. An extraordinary time um, for for comedy, for television comedy. But he always was a very hands-on producer and person. And I think what I to, to answer your question, what I learned is that it doesn't. It doesn't matter whether you're a big celebrity or you're, you know, and, you know, attend to people the way you would want them to, to deal with you. And the rest will really believe that to this day. And Doris Roberts, I want to ask about her as well. Um, I, I, she has played so many mothers on so many different sitcoms. Uh, what and mothers on so many different? Uh, she just is the consummate uh, meddlesome mom, uh, but she is brilliant at what she does. Um, and it must have been like a tennis match working with her. Well said. It was very much. She really, you know, Doris kept up. 
uh, and the great thing about working with dogs when it gelled, it got better and better and better because you would go for broke more. You would feel confident in the person you're working with to that, you know, fall back and forth. You, 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 she was so smart and so funny and such a natural, um, that there was a false note in any game. Therefore, it to do the same thing. And I, what I loved about the relationship of Angie and her mom was as crazy as it would, would get, uh, whatever the storyline would be, um, there was this absolute line of truth. Mm-hmm. And you kind of went something that I think Doris was so brilliant at. And she did the same thing with uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. You know, she no matter how crazy, she always was able to ground it in a way that you felt like, okay, I buy it. It's nuts, but I buy it. And um, I think that taught me a lot as well. And, and I kind of try to work that way as well. And Robert Hayes, uh, (laughs) and Robert Hayes, uh, who just had a birthday uh, yesterday, or I think it was his birthday was yesterday. Uh, I tried to get him on tonight. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was going to to try to be here tonight. Uh, Yes. So, uh, and I'm sorry that he wasn't able to make it tonight, but he was going to surprise you. Uh, (laughs) But uh, uh, the chemistry between the two of you was incredible. Yeah, he, he's, I mean, he's still one of my closest, you know, I kid him and say, it's like, you know, at this point, he's like a brother. Uh, Again, you know, there was a total understanding uh, and a chemistry that was there and, and how to make it work, you know, and it's interesting because you don't, I think friendships develop through when, when you're working with somebody because you have this kind of connection as performers and somehow that opens the door in a weird way to, to um, say, I know this person and I, I want to be friends with this person. And one starts to feed the other. And I think for Bob and I, we had so much fun with, and, goal, I think, to make the characters lovable enough for the audience to want, you know, to have them in their home every week, but also to to make them some, you know, identifiable character that even though they came from two different backgrounds, you bought it. And I think that was so, so fun. Uh, and Bob is, he's just so damn funny. You know, I yeah, had totally. a hard time keeping a straight face many times. Um, and, uh, you know, I think <laughs> they were very patient with me because they know, oh God, she's going to break up. We just know it. She's going to break up. And I did, you know, because <laughs> just. 
Someone said that he could not be here tonight because he was uh, had to present a plane to Boise. <laughs> One of the funniest he's, films he's ever made. Airplane. airplane. Yes. Uh, you mentioned earlier that airplane, when right? yeah, uh, no, he, Barry Marshall, in fact, he was doing uh, that. He did that when we were doing Angie. You mentioned earlier. I'm sorry, that I lost when, Richard. No, can you hear me? Yes, can you I hear can, me now? Okay. You mentioned earlier that when I can, you got when you got the phone call, you know that they wanted you to come in and meet with Gary Marshall. That you were also being pulled in another direction because of the film project that was uh, on hold. When you've got these choices to make in a career, uh, you're wondering, am I making the right choice? Are the people that I've got who I'm trusting my career with making the right choices for me? Uh, as you look back on everything, um, are there moments where you feel I did make the right choice on this particular moment? Or are there moments where you felt maybe I didn't make the right choice in that area? of my career? Are there any regrets? You know, the hours uh, wasting time, you should be thinking of other things with regrets. I, I, I think we all, all get to it, where we did something or look for what opened up cause maybe it went in that direction. Um, I had so many opportunities and so many things that, you know, start veered direction because of, and I mean this uh, professionally, uh, because of things that, you know, are either all or, as you say, you know, people that represented me said, well, you should do this and versus that. But I really, I, I try to hold one thing that maybe I still kind of have that little moment with uh, Neil Simon um, wanted me to do uh you ought to be in pictures and uh, worked on that for a while with, with uh, him. We did a reading of it and, um, and it was very, very close to my real life. Not because Neil wanted to write about my real life. It just sort of happened to be uh, a funny coincidence. And I couldn't do it because the show, Angie was going to go into another season and um we kind of knew, and uh, so it could. And then, uh, when I couldn't do it, and uh, you know that that still hurts. Only because now, I, again, it's not like I couldn't do it. and I had no other job. I had a wonderful job, but work, working with Neil Simon have been, you know, I mean that's like a lifelong goal to say I, I had the opportunity to work with this legendary genius. Um, so that 
if I have any regrets, but again, a little bit I got to do that play with him, so too regretful. Wow, that's Just wonderful. Um, I have two very quick clips that I want to mm -hmm. share. Um, two people that wanted to be here tonight who just wanted to send uh, positive thoughts your way. Uh, one from very early in your career from a record album that you were working yep. on. So here it is, uh, just a moment. Hey Donna, Jeff Gans here. Haven't seen you since 1978 when I played bass on your first demo with Marty Henney in New York. Anywho, Richard gave me the opportunity to pop in and say hi during this excellent celebration of you today. Hope you're doing great. Hope you're staying well. And congratulations on your excellent body of work. Keep on keeping on. Everything froze. I didn't see anything. Uh, I will send it to you later so you can see it again. And I have another one for you as well. Hope I hope this doesn't freeze for you as well. Oh my God. Uh, this, are you there? I'm, I again, everyone, I apologize for the connection tonight. I am. Uh, here I'm, I'm not. And I have another clip for you as well. This is from uh, Bruce Kimmel. I can't. I, I, Hi, Donna. I it's Bruce Kimmel saying hello Bruce to you and hope you're having as good a time as I did with Richard Skipper. That's all he said. I, I thought he was going to say more. But <laughs> anyway, uh, that was from Bruce Kimmel. see it i'll get them to you i I'll didn't get, both get it on this side well I'll, I'll get them to you i don't know what oh, the, Bruce, uh, i adore him and who is the other person i didn't see the other person uh jeff gans the first, the he's a bass one. player he worked on your first uh a cd that you were working on prior to saturday night fever oh oh my gosh See, now this is my, I, I have this really terrible techni te technical karma. So I'm hoping this is not me doing something. <laughs> well, everyone's loving seeing you tonight. So this is great. Now, uh, now I want to ask you, I mean, do you, uh, do you still sing? Are you, I mean, do you ever get the opportunity to, to sing these days? Oh, the the amount of time that I spend saying go back to go back to lessons and get get that going again. Uh, I'd love to, and and I I I mean to, and I will. I would love to come back to New York and, and get back on the stage. That would be fabulous. Um, so it's in my to do uh, list. <laughs> and Is should. there a particular role that you would love to play? Oh wow! Um, I, yeah, uh, I mean, musically or just 
you're talking about on, on stage? On stage. Well, I, I mean, who wouldn't want to do Mama Rose or who wouldn't want to do anything Sondheim has done? You know, I mean, I, I, I probably have a, a, a list uh, that every, you know, every actress who wants to do so has. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, as we do our wine, a, a, a club act in the in the eighties. Yeah. Did you ever do a club act? I've lost you, Richard. Did you ever do I a did. club act? I did a, a club act in the eighties. Do you remember the club? Yes, I did at Les Mouches. If you could remember that. Oh club. my God! <laughs> I do know Les Mouches. Yes, of course, I remember Les Mouches. Yeah. And uh, uh, Joel Paley and Marvin Laird uh, did my act. So can't do better than that, boy. No, absolutely. And do you have a recording of that? I have the worst little someone, you know, I don't even know what, what was in, was invented then. Um, you know, something. But <laughs> I have a recording of it. Uh, in a box somewhere. I wonder maybe Joel or Marvin have a better recording of it. I should ask. Wow. Well, you got to come back to New York. Uh, everyone's salivating here for you to come back to New York. Uh, I think I, you've already got an uh, you've got a full house already uh, of people. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> yes. Um, so I'm going to ask. These are just some, I've got some random questions that I'm going to ask, and uh, just as we wind down this evening, and. At this point in your with your career and everything, and this may sound like a woo-woo question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What do you think your purpose in life is at this point in your life? Mm. Purpose, wow. Um, well, I'd like to obviously continue having uh in in the uh entertainment world um my purpose you know i'd love to become so successful that i could spend uh time and money on outside of the industry to make the world better involved which i i and i know you don't need to to be super people that are involved in charity work are you know amazing and, and they don't need to uh have giant careers to that that is in many ways back and I, you know making your mark in the world if you can make people happier because they know you uh and and put something in the world that makes it better for either a person or a situation. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. I um, don't know. I mean, it's, it's a big range. <laughs> and again, this is going to, it may sound like a woo woo question, but I ask woo woo questions. Uh, do you practice gratitude? And if so, can you name three things? I love that you're the phrase, woo -woo. I'm sorry. 
uh, I, do you practice gratitude? And if so, name three things that you're grateful for today. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm grateful for my son and my wonderful husband and my life. I'm grateful for the opportunities I've had. And I'm grateful for what's coming. I don't know what it is, but I'm grateful for it. Uh, that's, that's the best answer right there. Um, when do you feel that you have been the most, this is going to sound like a crazy question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. When do you feel that you've been the most honorable in your career? Ooh, honorable. Um, you know, I think I've always made an issue out of making people, and I don't understand Pollyanna, that making people feel like whatever they do, there's a lot of worth to it and to them. Um, I acknowledge uh, people and and what they bring to the table, uh, whether they're performers or neighbors or, you know, just acknowledge that everybody has a lot of worth and so best to giving and loving. And for the most part, I have to say, in over four decades, there have been very few situations where I don't want to be there every day. And how lucky is that? You know, so I hope I can do that for someone. Um, you know, just let them know on there they deserve to be appreciated. And Madonna Cacciatore says that you are family to Robin and her and to the community. So thank you for that. Oh, my God. They are. They are indeed. And Robin are part of my heart. Yeah. And I, and I think the world to both of them as well. Uh, and this will be my last question to you, but don't go anywhere for a moment. Mm -hmm. um, what is the best ritual of your daily life? My daily life ritual. Oh my God, Richard, you're so funny. Um, say you are nine. You are five nine. It's not a good ritual, but it's mine. <laughs> what is that again? I didn't hear that. I said. I said I stand in front of the mirror trying to convince myself that I'm five nine. But um, <laughs> first, need to answer your question: What is my <laughs> ritual? I love that. <laughs> that works for me. That perfect. Um, so we're gonna we're get away. Nine. Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna try that tomorrow. So does it work? That's the question. <laughs> So I'm going you to give away. Uh, <laughs> oh, good, 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 good. 
We're giving away, we're going to give away, uh, I'm giving away a little cabaret package tonight. Kathleen Hassett-Hockberg, uh, thank you for watching, Kathleen. She's been through a difficult time because she broke her wrist. So she deserves a little uh, gratitude and uh, a winning tonight. So uh, Kathleen, uh, call me uh, in about an hour and we'll talk. You've got my number. So uh, Kathleen is one of my favorite people on the planet. Uh, don't go anywhere for a moment, Donna. I want to thank everybody for being here tonight. Feel better. Uh, Donna, feel better. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Kathleen, feel better. So uh, everyone, thank you for being here tonight. It means the world that you were here. You could have been anywhere else tonight and you spent it with Donna and myself. And I know that I can speak for Donna when I say this. In this business, we don't take it lightly when you show up. So thank you for being here tonight. Uh, after the show, please go back to YouTube. Leave a comment on YouTube. Uh, share this with your friends. Let other people know about this. Uh, and, uh, you know, just keep spreading it around. It's all about sharing the love. I end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Go to your Facebook friends list and reach out to the first name that pops up and reach out with a phone call. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, a phone call and let that person know what they mean to you. As my dear friend, Sean Moniger always says, we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. And I always say, if you're gonna go out in a boat, Make sure you bring a skipper along. So, Donna, I'm going to leave the screen and I'm going to give you the final word. Anything oh. you want to say about anything that we talked about tonight that you want to build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message that you want to give to everyone who's watching. Don't worry about how to end the show. As soon as you say goodbye, the credits will roll. Donna, I am such a fan of yours. I always have been and I will continue to be. Uh, this night means a lot to me. So thank you for being here. And Donna, it's all yours. Well, Richard, right. so it's mutual, and I'm so thrilled to have done it. And I'm going to leave uh, with uh, the word gratitude, the word kindness, and humor, never humor. Always find something to love.